Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Pastor David with We Are Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to tune into this podcast. Here at We Are Church, our mission is to be a place where people come to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. One of the ways that we do that is through the reading and teaching of the Word of God. So I pray that this challenges you to take your faith to the next level and that you find freedom in every area that you are seeking. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Man, y'all give it up for Jeff back there on the soundboard, man. That was a smooth transition right there, Jeff. <laughs> Praise the Lord, man. I'm so grateful for all of the people here who, who serve faithfully just to make sure that we can have a good service here in this house. Max, will you come and get this really fast? <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all ready to get, to, to get into the word today? Come on, man. Are y'all ready? I need some energy in the building. Amen. Praise God. There we go. There we go. So this is our official second midweek service. Yeah, come on, man. Y'all excited about midweek service? Some of y'all act like y'all just grudgingly drove over here. I got to go to church tonight. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, last week we kicked off our first midweek service and we have jumped into the book of Ephesians. This is a different type of preaching for me. I'm not used to expository preaching or going through certain books in the Bible or or going verse by verse and really digging into what the whole context of what we're reading is, but it has challenged me to study the word at a deeper level. It's been good for me. It's been feeding me. It's been, the Lord has been doing a a work in my spirit as well. I'm telling y'all, man, I'm excited about what God is going to do tonight. I'm excited about what God has been doing in this church, and this is just the beginning of something great. And so last week we talked about We got five verses into the Bible, and we're actually going to go back to two of those verses, and then we're going to read through all the way to to, to verse 14 of chapter 1. But last week, we talked about how Paul writes this letter to the church in Ephesus and starts out by, 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 by explaining who his reader is supposed to be. And he said, I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, or some translations say I'm writing to God's, to, to, to the saints of God in Ephesus, right? And he says, who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And so ultimately, Paul starts to lay the foundation that I'm specifically speaking to a people who have set themselves apart from this world. They have faithfully followed Jesus and they continue to remain in the faith. And I'm speaking to a healthy church, a church that knows where they stand in the kingdom of God. They're ambassadors of Christ Jesus. And Paul lays from the beginning to identify exactly who he is speaking to, right? Then he says something so powerful. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So ultimately, we talked about how what Paul said was what was what Paul is uh, is stating is that the reason that the church in Ephesus is able to remain holy or set apart from the world and and, and not do the things that the world does and remain steadfast and continuously uh, follow Jesus in the midst of persecution um, is because God has blessed them with every spiritual blessing under heaven. And when he said every spiritual blessing under heaven, he literally means every spiritual blessing under heaven. And so we talked about how God, that, that, that when you are born again, At the point of spiritual conception, when when you were made a new creation, that God deposited in your spiritual bank account everything that you would need to accomplish the work that he has called you to accomplish. It's in your spiritual DNA. The same way at spiritual, I mean, at physical conception, 
right? When a, when, a, when, a, when, a, when a baby is conceived, everything that that baby will ever become is already with, within that baby, right? I didn't have to, uh, there was nothing that I could do to change the color of my daughter's hair. There was nothing that I could do to change the color of her eyes, how she would talk and how she would walk and what she would look like, the color of her skin, her complexion. Everything about her was already within the seed. And it's the same with us at Spiritual Conception. Everything that, that you need to be who God called you to be and to accomplish what God called you to accomplish is already within you. It's already within you. We're going to continue into chapter one and we may finish chapter one today, but I don't know, honestly. Ephesians chapter one, verses three through 14 say this. I'm going to read this. It's, it's long, so bear with me. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us with showered us his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own, giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14 are very special verses in the Bible. Special for many reasons. Because they talk about the richness or the wealth of the believer. They talk about the blessings that are received in Christ. It talks about the character of Christ. It talks about his mercy, his wisdom, his grace. It talks about so many different, all the richness of God. It's, it's special for that reason, but it's distinct for one reason. Verses 3 through 14 make up the longest sentence that you find in the New Testament. Back when it was, when, when, when Paul wrote this, to the church in Ephesus in, in, in the original Greek text, it was one very long run-on sentence. The longest, makes up the longest sentence in the New Testament. It's as if Paul was incapable of, 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 of finding some kind of stopping point when he began to talk about the goodness of God. It's this, this poetic run-on sentence that just talks about the goodness and the mercy and the grace. And Paul just can't seem to find a place that would stop. He was very intentional. It was, it was grammatically incorrect. So the reader, when he would read this automatically, he would be looking, this, this doesn't make sense for him to continue writing this, this sentence like this. But Paul starts by saying, we have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And then he begins to lay the foundation of what true spiritual wealth looks like. Paul's intent for verses 3 to 14 
is to get you to understand that if you grasp the richness of what was given to you, that the rest of your walk with Christ would actually just fall into place. He's talking to a church that has got it right, but yet he's reminding them of why they got it right in the first place. Because Paul is at this point in his life, been in ministry for over uh, 20 years. He spent three years in, 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 in Ephesus pastoring the church and is now at, the, at this point writing this imprisoned in Rome waiting to be sentenced to die. And he's writing this because he's seen it all at this point. He's seen people walk away from the faith. He's seen uh, super apostles come and give false doctrine and, and, and the Jews take their man-made uh, parts of religion and traditions and try to place them on the Gentiles. And he's seen a lot of things that have, have, have made people strain and, and, and struggle in their walk with God. And Paul is saying, no, you, you've got this right, but this is why you got this right. And he's reminding them of why they got it right in the first place. And so there's seven different blessings that Paul lists here in this long run-on sentence and seven different blessings that Paul talks about. We're going to talk about six of them today. The first blessing is the, the blessing that we are chosen, the blessing of being chosen. Verse four, Paul says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. This is the very foundation of the gospel right here, that it isn't that you chose Jesus it isn't that you chose God. It isn't that you somehow earned your way into the favor of God or into the grace of God, but that he first chose you. I was thinking about this last night as I was writing this down, writing this, this sermon, and, and, and I was thinking about, had this flashback of when I went to Glencliff Elementary School. Anybody go to Glencliff Elementary in here? Oh, come on. I'm the only person in Glencliff. That didn't work out. You did? You're supposed to shout, okay, so I don't look stupid up here. <laughs> Glencliff Elementary. <laughs> but anyways, at PE class, they would always pick two captains, right? They would pick two team captains, and they would have them people pick somebody out of the crowd. They would pick one by one. Now, I may have been cool in school. I may have been somewhat popular, but I was not athletically inclined at all. And so every time it came to get picked for some kind of game that we would play, I would be the last pick every single time. But I remember sitting there and waiting for somebody to call out my name and pick me. And then you pick me when I'm the last pick, then I don't feel like you chose me. You didn't choose me. You were just kind of stuck with me, right? And this is, this is the opposite of God. A lot of us have been walking around just with this desire for somebody to choose us, right? Why do we get into marriages? We get into marriages because we choose somebody for life, right? That when we find a, mate, a, a, a helper or a mate for the rest of our lives, we're saying, I choose you for the rest of my life. That's what makes a marriage special. Because we're not just saying yes to a person for a season or until it feels good, until it doesn't feel good, but we're choosing somebody for life. We're saying, you are the person I chose to partner with for the rest of my life. This is why God describes the church as his bride. Because he's choosing you for life. He's saying, I want you for eternity. Not just life, but, but eternity. 
And this is the foundation of the gospel. This is the beginning point that never ends right here, that God first chose you, right? Not understanding this concept right here, that God chose us will leave us empty, hollow, and thirsty with souls that scream, choose me over and over and over again. This is why we end up in relationship after relationship after relationship, because deep inside the depths of your soul is a desire to be chosen. This is what makes us join gangs and join and, and, and do certain things uh, in, in the world because deep inside of every single one of us is a desire to be chosen. We're constantly trying to earn the favor of man. We're trying to enter into to, 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 to the relationship with people so that people will just pick us. This isn't just something to this in the world that keeps us out there doing things that we never thought we would ever do. But this is, this is the thing that even keeps pastors enslaved to compromise doctrine because they're pastors that are just saying, pick me. Choose me as your pastor. I'll make you feel good. I'll make you feel good. I'll tell you what you want to hear. If you just pick me, pick this church, pick this church, pick this church. This is something that, that, that we have to grasp, right? We got to understand it's not wrong to have a desire to want to be chosen. It's not wrong to, to, to want somebody to love you. It's not, it's, it's not wrong. The desire isn't wrong, but what we do with the desire literally determines everything about us in life. But when we understand that deep down that, that it isn't something that I can do to earn the favor of God, but it is, it, it, it is, it, it is me understanding that God first chose me, that when I didn't want him, when I wasn't looking for him, when nobody was telling me about him or maybe somebody was telling you about him and maybe you come from a family in a background of, of, of believers, maybe you come from a family of preachers, maybe you, you grew up in church but you walked away from God, it, the only way to enter in to, to, to a true, true relationship with Jesus and that relationship remains strong and you continue to grow is if you understand first and foremost that Jesus Christ chose you, that he chose you. The second blessing is the blessing of his family. The blessing of his family. Verse 5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God decided in advance to adopt us. This is the spirit of adoption, how we become children of God, right? He decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. The second greatest blessing God could ever give any one of us in this room is the family of God. We got to truly understand that because it's been too long that we've been walking around and people have been saying, you don't really need a church family. Or you don't really need a church home. I don't, yeah, don't got to go to church to worship God. You don't have to go to church to worship God. But if you want to experience the fullness of God that is extended through his children and through his family, you want to understand how to truly grow and you want to get in, you want to experience the fullness of God in every area of your life, you need to be connected to the, to the family of God. It's the greatest blessing that God could ever give you. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21 say this. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives 
by his spirit. Do you see that? Paul says, together we are his house. You see that? Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. The fullness of God dwells within the family of God, right? That together we become his house and the temple of the living God. We got to really truly understand that what it means to walk alongside a family of believers to become connected, right? God has placed every single one of us. I talked, talked about it in the identity series. God has specifically, uniquely designed you to be who you are and uniquely placed you where you are. Why? To embody the love of Jesus and to make trouble for an enemy. You want to wake up to who you're called to be, you need to plant yourself around people who know who they're called to be. You want to grow in, 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 in your hunger and your zeal for God. You got to plant yourself around people who are hungry and zealous for the Lord. You want to see change in your life. You got to be connected and running next to people who are, who are devoted to, to change in life. You want to make a difference. You want to dis discover what it is you were created to do. You got to walk with people who know exactly why, they, why they're here on this earth to begin with. We want to grow. We want to overcome some things. We want to become who God has called us to be. We need to be connected to the body of Christ. Every one of us are conduits of needs and answers from God. And we extend his grace to one another. We express the love of God to one another. We're there for one another. There should be something different about, about the family of God. When people look at us, they should want what we have. That's what makes it easier for people to walk away from people who are pulling them back when they know they got people over here that are saying, come over here. We got you. It's one thing that our church does, does, does really well. We send one group message, we at least got four or five people that are coming together to make sure somebody gets where they need to be. In the past three weeks, we've already, the past three weeks, we probably got six people into rehab, like six people into rehab that are making choices right now to change their lives forever because we got a church that's devoted to reaching people in the streets and not just leaving them there, telling them about Jesus and leaving them there, but, but inviting them to come in to the family of God. The third blessing is the blessing of, of grace. The blessing of grace. Verse 6 says, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. The unmerited favor of God is the undeserved favor and kindness of God, right? And I love that Paul doesn't just say that we praise God for his glorious grace that he gave us a little bit of, right? I, I praise God because he sometimes pours out his grace. I know he said, we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He's saying, man, God has literally poured out his kindness and his favor on you. And a lot of us mistake grace for mercy. It's not the same. Mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. Grace is receiving what you don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. Grace is receiving what you don't deserve. So God, in all his kindness, has poured out his favor and his kindness on you simply because you belong to Jesus. Because you belong to Jesus. There's times in my life where because I'm faithful, God blesses me, right? But then there's times in my life when I'm not faithful 
and then God blesses me anyways, right? These are the times in my life where I say, man, God, you know what? I wasn't faithful in, in, in this season of my life, but the goodness and the kindness and the undeserved favor of God is on my life anyway, where God blesses me in such a way that it brings me to repentance because I realize it ain't nothing that I did to deserve this. And God's blessings follow me no matter what in my walk because his favor is on me. Fully understanding grace enables you to do three things. Number one, it enables you to partner with God and trust his leading. Fully understanding grace enables you to partner with God and trust his leading. When I understand that the favor of God is on my life, when I understand that the undeserved favor of God, the unmerited favor of God is on my life, I walk different. I partner with God and I trust his leading because I know wherever it is that God is leading me, he's leading me there because it leads to abundant life. Y'all catching this? Like, we, we got to understand this because a lot of us are too scared to step into what God is calling us to do or surrender what God is calling us to surrender because we think God is stripping us from something. We think he's restricting us in such a way, but God is not ever calling you anywhere that isn't going to lead you to abundant life. Wherever God, God is calling you, he's calling you to greater. And no matter where God is calling you, his favor follows you. So you can trust his leading. So when God tells me to let go of something, when God told me to stop my music ministry where I had built a following up and, 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 and had already produced three albums and was working on my fourth album, when God told me, put the music down, that was scary, but I put the music down because I understood wherever it is God is calling me, his favor is behind it. So I can let this go and walk into what God is calling me because I know his undeserved, unmerited kindness is in favor is wherever I go. So I trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. When God says go, I go because I know wherever it is, it's leading to abundant life. Second, it enables you to walk with confidence. It enables you to walk with confidence. When I understood, first and first, I didn't really truly grasp what, what the favor of God was, but I started noticing when I got released from jail and when I would go to job interviews and I would be around certain people the favor of God was so strong on my life that, that, that every, it was like as if every person that looked, at, looked at me believed in me. I thought so many people were going to be against me and so many people were going to judge me and so many people were going to hold me back. But it was like God, if I would sit down for an interview, God would open a door for me to share my, they would ask me about the felonies on my background and I would run with the testimony of what Jesus was doing in my life. And that person either did one or two things. They either said, I'm sorry, I would like to hire you, but HR won't let me hire you. Or they would break down and they would cry. They would tell me about their son or their daughter that was struggling with addiction. They would see the hope of God on me. But, but what it did was it just, it, it's the favor with man that came from the favor of God on my life. I began to walk with a different confidence. I walked into interviews with my head up, knowing I'm not just here for an interview. If this is where God wants me, his favor is behind it. And so I'm gonna approach this, this interview with confidence. And God began to open up doors in my life that I never could have opened on my own. I say it all the time, what I lack in finances, I got in favor, that's for sure. No matter where I go, I got the favor of God. So it enables you to walk with a different level of confidence. Third, it enables you to live without condemnation. It enables you to live without condemnation when you understand, not only when you understand God's mercy, that his mercies are new every morning, but when you understand his grace, that he wants to pour his kindness and his goodness on you and there's nothing you can do to deserve it. 
It enables you to live without condemnation. Man, some of us live every day of our lives as if we barely escaped hell. Every night we lay down and we think about every little thing that we did wrong that night and just feel unworthy, 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 and unworthy as if we just barely escaped, escaped hell that day. But when we know that there's nothing I can do to earn the favor of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, nothing I can do to earn it, we begin to live without condemnation. Fourth, the fourth blessing is the blessing of redemption. The blessing of redemption. Verse 7, he says, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Most of us grasp the last part, that he forgave our sins, the blood of Jesus, right? But few of us actually grasp the first part, that not only did he, it enable him to forgive us of our sins, but he also purchased our freedom. That's the whole purpose of redemption. When we talk about the redeeming blood of Jesus, it's that he bought us with a price. He purchased our freedom with a price. That he didn't just come to save us from the penalty of sin, but he came to save us from the power of sin. He came to set us free. We need to understand we are not, we're not slaves to sin anymore. There's a freedom that was already purchased by the blood of Jesus. When we understand that, of how big of a price Jesus prayed, paid, that he didn't just pay so that I could one day spend eternity in heaven, but he paid so that I can walk in freedom right now in my life wherever I'm at. Redemption. He paid the price to set you free. It's like being incarcerated, locked up in a jail cell, facing life. That's what sin does. Sin leads to death. And every one of us are, are, are guilty and deserving of, of never even entering into the gates of heaven. Any sin should automatically disqualify us from entering into the gates of heaven. And we're locked up, bound in sin, in chains, imprisoned in sin. But Christ paid the price for our bond with his blood. Y'all get it? Like his blood literally set us free from the, from the prison that we were trapped in. And not only did he set us free from the prison that, 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 that we were trapped in, but he also spoke to the judge, and the judge forgave us of everything that we did. He expunged your record. Y'all get it? Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 15 says this. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the almighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Did you see this? This is, this is um, he's, he's using trial, um, what do you call it? Yeah, whatever you just said. <laughs> But he's saying right here, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. 
So he said, when you came into relationship with Jesus Christ, you received what was called a spiritual circumcision. He cut away the flesh, making you dead to sin and, make, and causing you to be alive with Christ. That when you, and with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Y'all need to get that. That when you trust God, you're raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God. You don't need confidence in yourself. You don't need to trust in yourself. You need to trust the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You need to understand what lives inside of you. You need to understand that I don't have to be bound by sin, but I got to trust the power of God. Remember, we keep talking about the work of God that's within us, not running from it, but staring into it and partnering with the work that God already is doing. You don't have to overcome everything at, at, at once. You don't have to enter into a relationship with Jesus and all of a sudden tomorrow you're, you're talking different, you're walking different, you let go of everything. No, there is a, a lifelong process of progressive sanctification in the life of a believer. But what you are responsible for is partnering with the work that God is doing inside of you. So when the Spirit of God starts telling you to forgive and make a phone call and tell that person that you forgive them, you partner with the work of God and then you forgive that person. Why? Because God wants to take you beyond the limits of any, uh, beyond anything that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. But We'll never go beyond until we start removing the limitations that we're placing on God. You want to go far in life? How far do you want to go with God? Because he will take you just as far as you will let him take you. But we got to partner with the, with the power of God within us. So when the spirit tells us to do something, we simply do it. Because that's what changes us. That's what grows us. That's what transforms us. I don't trust myself, but I trust the power of God that, lays, that, that lies within me. He said, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. You were spiritually dead. No matter how alive you were in the physical realm, in the spiritual realm, you were dead. You were walking zombies because you had a sinful nature. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. That means every devil, every demon, every, 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 every generational curse that was spoken on you. I don't care how bad your family tree looks. I always say my family tree looks like a weeping willow. Like, I don't care how bad your family tree looks. You entered into a relationship with Jesus. You trust the power of God that, that, that lies within you. He disarms every devil and every demon that has been attacking your family. We got to understand this. All we got to do is trust in what God will do, the power of God within and partner with what he's wanting to do in our lives and believe first and foremost that he is for us and not against us. And he disarms them. The fifth blessing is the blessing of spiritual insight. The blessing of spiritual insight. Verses 9 through 11, he says this, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and makes everything work out according to his plan. He starts by saying, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ. 
In other words, he's saying God has given us spiritual insight or revelation into his mysterious plan. Meaning it's a mysterious plan. We don't know every single detail of this plan, but God has given us some kind of spiritual insight. He's given us insight into this plan. We can't tell you how everything, every step is going to go or what every little detail looks like, but we do know some things about this plan that God has given us. And he says this, this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and makes everything work out according to his plan. First off is he says, we know this at the right time, he'll bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. So in other words, we know who's in control. We know that Christ is in control of everything that happens in the heavenly realms. And we also know that he is responsible and in control of everything that happens in the natural realm. And so if we know that God is, is, is in control of everything that happens in heaven and we know that he's in control of everything that happens in earth on, on earth, then we should walk with a different level of confidence when we understand that we're united with Christ, that, we're, that we are one with Christ. If I know if this is happening around me, if the storms of life are, are, are against me, if this if, if things are falling apart in my life right now, I can still trust that I know God is in control. And if it's happening to me, then he's allowed it. And there's a reason, a reason that he's allowing it. And we know that not only is he in control, but that he's for us, right? Because we're united with Christ. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. He makes everything work out according to his plan. The problem is, is a lot of us get mad that everything doesn't work out according to our plans. So we get upset when people walk out of our lives and it's okay to go through some kind of feelings of betrayal and abandonment when people walk out of our lives, right? But what if it's according to his plan because that person just isn't allowed to walk any further in your life with you because God is calling you somewhere that person would never be willing to go, right? This song, thank God for unanswered prayers, right? Some of y'all right now can think about some of your exes. You need to praise God that you ain't with the people that you cried over for weeks. You know what I'm saying? That's the truth of God. But we get upset when things don't work out according to our plan. But that's the whole purpose of a life surrendered to Jesus Christ. I understand that I'm not in control of my life. I'm in control of my actions and in control of submitting my life under the mighty hand of God and trusting that his plan and his will is always going to be better than mine, right? And if he's in control of everything in the heavenly realms and everything that happens here on earth, then I can trust God because I'm united with Christ Jesus. And he's for me. And wherever it is that God is leading me and whatever's going on around me, it's all according to his plan. Romans 8, 28, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to what? His purpose. Meaning his plan. So it doesn't matter what's happening around me. Somehow God is going to take all of that and use it together for his good. The sixth blessing, final blessing, is the blessing of being sealed the Holy Spirit, being sealed with the Holy Spirit. Verses 13 through 14 say this, 
It says that now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. He identified you as his own, and this translation says by giving you the Holy Spirit, but other translations say he identified you as, own, as his own by sealing you with the Holy Spirit, giving you the seal of his approval by the Holy Spirit. And he says the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. In other words, what he is saying is God gave you the Holy Spirit as a down payment of what is yet to come. So he said, I'm going to, to, to show you that I saved you and that, that, that I identified you as my people, I'm going to seal you with the Spirit of God and place him inside of you. And this is just a down payment of what is yet to come. He says, one day you're going to answer into heaven. You're going to stand before me. You're going to be in a new body. There'll be no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow. He says, but until then, I'm going to gift you with something that will prove to you that you're mine and that I identified you as my own. And so the first thing you start to realize when you get saved there's a few things that the Spirit does. We're going to talk about it. But three things that happen is, number one, he convicts of sin and empowers change. So you start to think different and feel different, and you want to, you want to change, and things don't feel the same. There's, you can feel when something really hurts God, and you can, you're able to identify what sin is and what sin isn't, what's right and what's wrong, because he opens your eyes to reality, right? And so the Spirit's job is to convict us of sin, first and foremost. And so we feel the conviction of sin, but he doesn't just convict you of sin. He empowers change. Condemnation will tell you that you are sin, right? Conviction tells you that, you're, that, 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 that you are sinning, but that you're, that you're capable of change. The Spirit of God will tell you to come out of sin and walk towards God. Condemnation will tell you that you're not worthy of facing God and keep your back towards God and left and trapped in sin. So the Spirit convicts us and says, you're a sinner, but God can save you if you'll turn to him. Come out of sin, and I'll empower you to overcome what it is I'm convicting you of. Whatever the Spirit convicts you of, he also empowers you to overcome. Second, he distributes gifts according to, the need, to, to needs and, and capacity. So the Spirit will distribute gifts to you According to what you need, some of you are in a time right now of just tribulation. You're just, you're just going through the storms. And so he'll give you peace and joy to make it through the storm if you'll just let him give it to you and you'll just unlock it and say, I trust you, God. No matter what my circumstance looks like, I, I trust you, God. He also distribute, distributes gifts according to your capacity. So when he says she's ready, he's ready for this, she's ready for this, I'm going to gift her with the gift of prophecy. I'm going to gift her with the gift of preaching. I'm going to gift her with the gift of teaching, right? According to your capacity, what you are capable of, of, of stewarding and, and what you're capable of actually walking to right now in this season, that's why we got to trust the process of where we're at in life right now. 
You may not be as far as you want to be, but you're not where you used to be, right? And we got to trust that God is going to lead me. He's going to finish the good work that he began in me, but he distributes gifts according to your needs. He knows everything that you need. And so when we need something, we go to who? We go to God. The Spirit of God dwells within you. And third, he reminds you of your inheritance. This is what we call blessed assurance, right? That we have the Spirit of God living. This is what's different between, but this is what is distinct from every other religion. Every other religion is what you can do to maybe one day make it into the kingdom of God. Christianity is God doing for you what you could not do for yourself. And not only did he come down here in the flesh and walk this earth and walk among men and, 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 and walk among men and teach them how to, to, to walk and live a life of purpose and ultimately go and be hung on a cross, spit on and mocked and crucified for the forgiveness of your sins, buried in a tomb. Three days later, he rose up from the grave. Not only did he do that, but he said, I'm leaving this place. I have to ascend to heaven. Why? Because I'm going to send the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? He's going to convict the world of sin. He's going to, he's going to, but he's also going to empower you. And when he comes upon you, you're going to receive power that you never had before power from on high, right? And so you became the dwelling place of God. And what's beautiful about this is Paul is, 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 is making sure that we understand right here that this is the completion of the Trinity right here. That God the Father sent God the Son down here on earth to die on the cross and ultimately uh, sent uh, God the Holy Spirit in here to dwell inside you so that you never have to do life again on your own. It's the completion of the Trinity. So when he sealed you with the, with the Holy Spirit, he said, I've done my work by sending my son who hung on the cross to do his work. And now the Holy Spirit is going to do his, his work to bring a full completion to the work that I want to do within you. This is the completion of the Trinity, church. Every time, y'all, every time this alarm goes off. Goodness, I keep saying I'm going to change that. Shut up, boy, before you get whooped. <laughs> But it's God's, it's, it's, it's his finished work. Y'all get this? It's his finished work. So Paul is wanting us to understand that every spiritual blessing under heaven is given to each and every one of us. But first and foremost, we have to understand that God chose us. We didn't choose him. And he chose you not just so that you could belong to him, but so that you could belong to the family of God that he has placed around you so you don't have to do life on your own so that you can actually do life with other people that will walk through fire for you. And I know, y'all, I know some churches have, have hurt you. I know some churches have looked at your sin and at your mess and didn't know how to deal with it, so they pushed you away. I know you've seen behind the, scene, the, the scenes of some of the people you've seen on the pulpits living a different life than what they spoke here on this church, but it ought not to be like that. The people should be able to come into the family of God, encounter the grace of God, encounter the love of God, encounter the power of God of people who understand their identity in Christ and people that will embrace you so that you can become all that God has called you to be. And Paul says, foundational to every other blessing and gift that God can give you, you need to understand his grace. You got to understand that he's not only called you to something that you don't understand. He said, you might not, not understand everything, but he's given us some insight into his plan. God's in control of everything in heaven and on the earth. And he is for you. 
And no matter what your circumstance looks like around you, you need to know that wherever it is God is calling you, whatever he's allowing, he's going to work out together for the good. Because he says he chose us in advance. You didn't choose him. He chose you and he's in control. And if he chose you and he's in control of everything in heaven and on earth, you need to know that he makes everything, not some things, everything work out according to his plan. And we got to understand that not only did he do all of that, but he sealed you. He completed the work by giving you, sealing you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's stand, church. Let's lift our hands to heaven, church. Father God, I thank you for every single person who's here tonight, Lord. God, I thank you for every spiritual blessing under heaven that you've given each and every one of us, Lord. God, if we're honest, a lot of us have been straining and struggling in our walk with you, God, striving instead of striding, God, because sometimes we forget the depths of the gospel. It isn't that we chose you, God, it's that you first chose us. And so, God, today we just, we repent. We repent, God, for forgetting what it looks like to just rest in who you are. God, would you help us to get back to a place of just fully understanding who we are in you? God, I thank you that your favor, your unmerited favor and kindness is on each and every one of us here in this room. And Lord, no matter what our circumstance looks like around us, we thank you that you're in control of everything in heaven and on the earth, God. And that if you're for us, you'll make everything work out according to your plan. So Lord, we trust your plan. Help us to trust your plan, Lord. God, we give you all the honor tonight, all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise, church. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about We Are Church, connect with We Are Church, or feel led to sow into We Are Church, we want to provide the means to do so. You can give online at weareministries.com, and you can also reach us on all social media platforms at We Are Church Nashville. God bless you, and have a great week.